welcome to this episode of The Denfos Way. I'm your host, Chris Diamond. And on this episode, we dive deep into the heads of public affairs and Comstrat leaders. We are focusing on the officer side of things on this episode, but don't worry. The enlisted version is coming soon. But right now, we want to know what makes them, well, them. Also, their perspectives on mentoring the next generation, problems of the future, and what it takes to be successful. Our guests on this episode include the Denfos Live host and public affairs communication and strategy qualification course distance learning instructor, Air Force Major David J. Murphy. Up next, she has gone from driving ships to driving communication, and she's done it all. Instructor in public affairs and communication strategy qualification course, Navy Lieutenant Commander Kate Sheeran. Also, we have the interim academic director of the Public Affairs and Communication Strategy Qualification course, and one of the few people I've ever met that holds an accreditation in public relations plus military communications, that's right, the APR plus M, Marine Corps Captain Dave Morris. And last, but definitely not least, Mr. Steve Von Jett. He's a retired Army major that teaches the Joint Contingency Public Affairs course and Joint Intermediate Public Affairs course. He also recently was on the Crisis Ahead podcast discussing his expertise in crisis management. So, let's get into it. The word that has defined my journey into public affairs has been swim lanes. The, the reason for that is public affairs is it's a team sport and I was thrown into situations where I had to figure out what my authorities were, who I was working with, uh, rubbing elbows with people, bumping up against other situations where what I said had impacts left and right, up and down. And who else needed to know always mattered so much all the time. And I just got in a habit of working those lanes and working who else needed to know and, and swimming in those deep waters. The better I got at it and the faster I got at it, the stronger PAO I became until I just learned to become a fish. That's, that's what I am. I'm, I'm the swim lanes guy. That was Mr. Steve Von Jett coming out with the swim lanes. On to Lieutenant Commander Sheeran. What is your word and what do you think defines you as a public affairs officer? I really enjoyed the, the swim lane fish analogy. That was, that was excellent. So I would say in the, the four years I've been in public affairs, I've been in the Navy for 12, but I've only been in public affairs proper for, for about four. I would say hustle and hear me out. So always running from meeting to meeting, making sure I know everybody in the meeting, making sure that my boss knows that I that he or she can contact me at all times. I'm always networking and talking to, you know, the junior sailors or service members on the deck plates all the way up to the chief of staff. Um, everyone has information that can be helpful to us in telling our story. And um, it's just really interesting to make connections by talking to everybody on the staff. So at my last command, there was a joke about how they would like see me literally running around the building, just trying to get information, whether it was crisis communications or something great like the Navy birthday. But uh, yeah, just hustle because I can't do it alone. I need buy-in from everybody. And so just trying to know almost everybody on the staff has really been a huge benefit. I think maybe networking would be a better word than hustle, but I'm going to go with hustle for now. I like hustle. I like that. That's more John Cena. Like, <laughs> ask. I like that hustle. That's a, that's a good one. Hustle strong. 
Hustle yeah. strong. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a what what animal would a hustle be? Cuz he's a fish. So maybe like a tornado? Is I'm the Tasmanian devil. Yeah, that's, animal that's the animal that the hustle not is. Uh, a Tasmanian, Tasmanian devil, devil would be an yeah, animal. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to go with that. 90s know. cartoon. I like that. Yeah. All the way. Throwback. Yeah. Only 90s kids will know. Look it up, kids. Look it up. Tasmanian devil, hustle. Same, same. All right. Going on to our next guest is Captain Morris. And uh, what was your word and what defines you? It would be uh, adaptable. I've held a lot of different jobs in my seven years in the Marine Corps. And I I typically don't like to do the same thing for more than about a year before I I start to get a little uh, bored or complacent or whatnot. And so I always am looking for the next thing. That always requires learning those new skills. And being a comstrat officer, like an executive officer of a company, is a lot different from being an instructor. Uh, which is a lot different from being a uh, engagements OIC or a production OIC. And so I like to change things up and uh, learn all different skills. And a lot of times I go into a job not knowing the exact day-to-day requirements, but I just know that I will be able to figure it out. Sir, like I think you're taking this too serious. <laughs> the, the, but the, the, what animal would you be? That's the real question the, here. Uh, I had an old boss who would call me a golden retriever because <laughs> – I was uh, always just happy to kind of take on whatever. And I can be, you know, we can go to the park and I can run around all day. Or if you want to just like chill out on the couch and watch some TV, I can do that too. And Captain know. Morris, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Well, he would say he'd bop me on the nose. Yeah. But, uh, Maybe yeah. the positive yeah. attitude part. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I like Maybe it. It's that. Mm-hmm. So always, always about good vibes and adaptability. I love it. Still hope. For me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, and last, a very common voice you may hear around uh, the Denfos community, the host of Denfos Live is Major Murphy. So uh, what one word defines you and talk a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, the word that defines me, and I know it's going to sound cliche coming from the Air Force guy, but uh, excellence, Ooh. right? You know, obviously, yeah, excellence and all we do, right? But it's, it's more than that to me because it really sticks to my personal motto, which is anything that can be done can be done better, which really relates to just never settling, right? And I think that, you know, there's so many ways that we can help improve everything that we do in every facet. And I've always sought to make where I went better than where I left it, you know, whenever I've been given the opportunity to command or lead in the public affairs realm. And, you know, even with this schoolhouse, there's so many things and ways that we can make the education uh, better for our students to give them the best education possible. So, yeah, I just, uh, you know, think of that whenever I do my job and, and make sure that, you know, I'm never not doing the very best I can everywhere I go. Dolphin, because I like dolphins. Ooh, that's, it. that's a good one. I find it really weird the Air Force guy didn't say any kind of thing that flies. <laughs> Only like 5% of us actually fly planes in the Air Force, but uh, I don't know. Eagle, there we go. America. We're, We're going to go with dolphin mixed with eagle. Ooh. Deagle. A, a deagle. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked that question specifically is to show that there is not necessarily one set way a public affairs <laughs> officer may think, act, or do. All of you have a different word, a different background, a different thought process and how you operate. And I think that's important for a lot of new officers coming into public affairs to understand that there might not necessarily be a right way or a wrong way to what you're doing. So I want to start off this with discussion with all of you is the role of a public affairs officer. And you've all worked with each other a significant amount already. My real first question is, where do you see differences in your services and compared to the others? Because that might not be something that is clear if it's a thing. But honestly, I don't know if there is a difference in the way you operate based on your service. If you don't think there's a way, I mean, that's fine. But if you do see the differences, I'm just curious about it. Uh, there's definitely nuance and, and 
differences in the way certain uh, services, you know, the services treat public affairs. But for the most part, you know, the reason we have a joint school is because, you know, many of the lessons we teach are universal. And so, you know, that's, you know, what you do in public affairs, whether it be for the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, whatever, the gist of it, the core of it is pretty much, you know, the same in many ways. Now, again, there are uniquenesses, and that's why we have service unique days. Um, and that's why, you know, that's an opportunity to highlight those. But for the most part, uh, there's a lot of parity between the services. But, you know, what do you guys think? I have seen that the Marine Corps does a fantastic job of operationalizing PA at a uh, junior level and involving those PAs in the planning process and involving those PAs in the information aspect of PA in very early on and uh, taking that through to grow uh, those young PAs up and get them involved uh, in uh, joint planning activities and in certifications like at what the MUSE are doing. So that way when we see them come back uh, two and three years out of the schoolhouse and then they come back for training, uh, they are very often at echelons above where uh, sister service PAs are at uh, already operating sometimes where, you know, at a first lieutenant or a junior captain level, where oftentimes I would expect kind of majors uh, to be at uh, for uh, other services, majors, lieutenant commanders. They grow up uh, very quickly in the service uh, in that regard. Uh, but there, there are some downsides to that in that they anchor bias very quickly to whatever habits they get formed at because of that. So it's a very fast track, but that causes them to really lock onto that. If they don't have a good experience or the right doctrinally based foundational experience, they can get you know the, the wrong information or, or get a bad experience with it and it just sets them on a course where they're just saying like oh this is the way it is because i i went very fast through this process and it worked and so this is the one way to do it whereas for uh, other paos uh, who took a broader more circuitous path to the information they have a kind of a deeper toolbox but it took them a lot longer to get those tools Right, it's a very sharp set. Like a K bar. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's kind of the difference that it, that I've noticed uh, in in the courses that I teach. Uh, the other ones that are that are super sharp that I've noticed is the Coast Guard, right? Because the Coast Guard they don't have yes. like officer PA, PAOs, but what the Coast Guard does is like they do one thing, which is like crises. Like that's what they do, mm-hmm. right? They do crisis, and they don't even like have a joint planning process. They just do off the shelf crisis. They do that one thing really, really well. You know, when every problem is a nail, like they are one heck of a hammer. So like that's kind of my experience with them. I will say from a Navy perspective, our community public affairs is growing. So right now we have about 250 active duty officers and we're seeking to increase that because there is a huge demand from the fleet. Every admiral and a lot of top tier leadership wants a PAO because they're starting to see the strategic value that we provide for external and also internal communications, which is so important. Comparing the Navy to the Marine Corps and the Air Force, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like in those services, there's always been an opportunity for O-1s to 
have their MOS be public affairs, whereas in the Navy, it was mostly lateral transfer from other communities. Now we're putting more of an emphasis from our leadership on direct accessions. We are still bringing a lot in through lateral transfer. For example, I was a lateral transfer from the surface warfare community. So I was a ship driver prior to becoming a public affairs officer. So I've always thought it was interesting how different communities grow their PAOs starting at different levels. And then for the Army, I believe most of your public affairs officers are post-captain, almost like major select officers. Is that is that correct, Mr. Bonjet? The, the VTIP process for Army has varied, you know, cycled over the years. And so, like, it's sometimes it's they're a little bit uh, older. They're like post-company command. Okay. Sometimes they're like new new captains. We have had them in the uh, uh, National Guard and and uh the reserves be like lieutenant. So it's it's a wide range, but it is never direct accession. Okay. I, I can speak in regard to the Marine Corps difference. So I think Mr. Vranjet hit it pretty correctly. One thing I'll say is for those who don't know, the Marine Corps doesn't have public affairs officers anymore. In 2017, we made the switch to communication strategy and operations. Acronym is Comstrat, which conducts the roles and functions of public affairs with a couple added things. I, I think the big difference, uh, or at least what I've seen, and the other services can please correct me, is that the Marine Corps doesn't look to use Comstrat officers to support operations. It looks to integrate what Comstrat does into the operation and make it part of whatever that mission is being conducted. So it's not how we can support this, this this exercise, this mission. It's how do we integrate to become a part of the method for which we're going to achieve the end state that we're looking for. Which um, is what the new JP3 TAC 04 uh, also directs and the other mm-hmm. services uh, as that filters down and, and integrates across the force. So JP3 TAC 04 is the Information Operations. It's a joint publication. It was published in September this past year. That uh, replaced the JP3 TAC 13, which was uh, the old Information Operations document that's laid out how we were conducting all of the intelligence and everything else at the joint level. This new document has a ton of changes that are affecting all the information forces from public affairs, uh, PSYOPs, CA, uh, space ops, uh, everybody else. It created uh, an information estimate, which is a new staff product. It created an information planning cell, the information cross-functional team, all this new stuff that's now going to trickle down across all the military forces, change how they conduct planning, change how they conduct execution. It laid out how we will do narrative and actually like has a doctrinal definition of narrative as uh, having a structure to it and a way that we do narrative analysis and and put that into public affairs and writing about narrative and so like there's structure to it now and like we owe the commander a narrative and how those narratives function so this is a real monumental change in the way that we're conducting public affairs but to uh, Captain Morris's point the Marine Corps had been leaning forward into this for several years and the rest of the services are now going to be aligning in the same way that we are no longer supporting operations that we are part of operations. And so where we had seen that young uh, PAs on the Marines had been kind of jumping ahead, 
the rest of the services are going to start catching up with them. And that is smart moves. That is great stuff. And I'm excited to see it because it's a great moves for the force. It's a great moves for their commanders out there. Hey, everyone, check this out. There's another resource available to you on the denfos.dma.mil website. That's the Mobile Training Teams program. What this program is, it literally brings Denfos to you, whether physically or virtually, on anything you may need, whether it be PA, VI skills, and this applies to fleet and field, almost anywhere. All you have to do is go to the academics little tab there and go down to the MTT request form and fill that bad boy out. And hopefully, just hopefully, We'll see you soon. Listening to you all speak, uh, my grasp of this is as you reach higher towards the top, it's all one focus. I think that's correct. Absolutely. I will say that all of our service public affairs leads came together and developed a document called the Military Communicators Competency Model. And it talks about what is expected of a junior officer in public affairs from 01 to 03. And then it also has the wickets for technical experts for enlisted, senior enlisted, and then it also goes to um, higher ranking 04 to 06. So I think that's a great document because all of the services came together and said, this is what we value in our communicators and everything we do at Dinfos is aligned to that. You're all in a, a mentorship, a trainer position right now giving advice to those who are coming up to fill your shoes or even aspiring to be in your shoes, what advice would you give them? I'll say that public affairs, communication strategy and operations, it's not very clear cut. It's not just by the numbers, here's an exact template of what you need to do. You need to be adaptable. You're running around, you're doing different things and different days produce different challenges that you may have never experienced before. So with that, I think a lot of officers, staff and COs, uh, either come to the school as instructors or students thinking that what they've done, their history, their experience is like the correct way to do something and that there's no other real correct ways for it. I would just say whether you're an instructor or a student, so whether you're teaching someone or you're learning, just be humble and be open to other people's experiences because what person A did might have worked for that situation, but person B also might have a really good idea. And so I think if we're humble, we're open to each other's ideas and that. Um, so just everyone be humble. All right. Yeah. What I try to tell everybody is life, public affairs, and everything we do is a little bit of a personality contest. Mm -hmm. You have to be likable. People have to want to spend time with you. They have to want to listen to your story. They have to want to engage with you. And you have to be able to make friends. And PAOs need other PAOs. You need a network. You need to be able to find the other PAOs and link up with them because you can't be in this alone. So reach out, be nice, <laughs> make friends, <laughs> ask questions, be humble, and start conversations. But spend time in those conversations listening mm. and taking notes remember people's birthdays buy them coffee that's good do the little things compliment people on their shoes mm. and then go back to the basics and scan the environment make a briefing card and go talk to the boss and if you get the basics down and you 
compliment people on things that are about decisions they made, not about things that they were born with, Mm -hmm. you're going to go pretty far right there and the rest will start to put itself together because you made friends with more senior PAOs who actually know what they're doing and they will pull you along whether you like it or not. PAO, personal awareness officer. I just made that up. But that's, yeah, I'll give you 50%. Attributed that. I love it. Attributed captain. That's great. That might be the new name of this episode. (laughs) Great advice, Steve. I don't remember your birthday, so that'll drive me to get that. When's your birthday on the record? I tell no one. I make them figure it out. Nice. That way, any day he can get cake. That's right. Every every day. Every day is my birthday. Oh, I know it's between. No, don't uh, don't put it out in the universe. Okay. You know it. No one else does. Yeah, I do actually know it. I know you do. <laughs> yeah. Also, his social security number is as follows. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to quote my Navy chief of naval operations, affectionately called the CNO. So Admiral Michael Day came and talked to us when we had a public affairs symposium for the Navy. And he said, the power of a PAO is their wit. So... I think that means that it's up to the PAOs to be savvy, to make the connections about what is going on on social media, what is going on in the lives of junior sailors, junior service members, and to provide that information and inform the commander's decision cycle on the information environment. And public affairs is so much more than Facebook and social media. You are the subject matter expert when it comes to unclassified information, and you can also be pretty dangerous in assisting in classified and above as well. So just you know, using that wit, your intelligence, your creativity, be inventive, your mental sharpness. So really are a tool in the commander's toolkit, and it's up to us to help educate the staff and the commander what we're capable of. And I really try to stress that with our students because some of them come in without that realization that they're asked to be strategists. Mm -hmm. If I can can piggyback on why that wit is so sharp for us, everyone else in the command is thinking about how do we feel about this? That's their job. We're the only person in the command paid to think about how does our key public feel about this? How does our stakeholder feel about this? And stand in their shoes and provide that feedback to the commander. And the commander knows how the commander feels about this, but the commander has no idea how that key public feels. So we're the only person in the command telling the commander something that the commander doesn't already know. Empathy of a unit. Yeah, I think a big part of being a good public affairs officer is being personable, right? Being willing to uh, engage with others, uh, kind of a... (laughs) I give this suggestion to everybody. I don't know if anybody ever has ever taken it, but you know, when you get to your command, just go through and, and look who is in your command. Maybe go through the, the mailing list. Find other, perhaps if you're an officer, find other officers within your command who you don't know from other career fields and just get to know them, right? Because being a public affairs officer is all about understanding your unit and understanding your command, understanding its mission and priorities. And, you know, how can you know the and really embody the, the priorities of your commander if you don't understand the command, don't know the people in it? So just get out there and, and get to know people. And that's a big part of, I think, being a successful PAO. 
Hey folks, I just want to take a quick break to tell you about some resources available to you on pavilion.denfos.edu. If some of the stuff in this episode has gone over your head, because honestly, it has for me at times, a lot of the information is available on there and it's constantly updated. Do you need the JP3-04? It's on there. Crisis Communications, there's help on there. Social media, on there. Podcasts just like this, if you want to make one, it's on there. One more time, that's pavilion.denfos.edu. Wow, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm. I'm learning a lot from all of you. I'm. I have a little bit of time in PA, so this is this is a lot for me right now. Um, but I'm also an NCO, and with that, a lot of NCOs will go to commands and never experience what it's like to work with a commander or a public affairs officer or anything. And I guess that's really what takes me into my next question: is if it's their first time falling under a command, how? How do you how do you mentor them? How do you give them the capability to talk the talk? So what I've found with staff NCOs is that sometimes they have a difficult time making a transition from the technician aspect of it, so the videographer, the photographer, to now more so the leader. And so you have this technical, technically proficient go-to subject matter expert who now needs to be doing other stuff, like talking to... Uh, his or her fellow colleagues and coordinating, uh, getting his or her Marines or service members on missions and whatnot. And so I think it's, it's a slow process of changing somebody's mindset. And so what I would recommend is introduce your staff and CO to everything that's going on. Bring them into the picture. Bring them into the meetings. Go the extra mile and have them in on those interviews. Have them sit in and learn from you. Because a lot of times they don't have that perspective that you have, maybe as the OIC, in thinking about everything that's going on and thinking outwardly and what Mr. Von Jett was saying uh, externally with that outside-in perspective. So I think a lot of times if you just bring them in, you are educating them on the things that they need to be thinking about. And hopefully they'll take that, and as they progress, they will uh, use that to uh, – guide their actions. Kevin Morris is uh, absolutely right. If you have a staff NCO that is ready to make that transition to more senior echelons and you are preparing them for more senior ranks and you know looking forward to groom a sergeant major and you are not taking them to every single engagement with your 06 and sitting down and having them you know at the other side of that round table discussing plans as an equal and getting their input into those conversations, you are the problem in that dynamic because it is your role not to train them, but to open the door for the 06 to train them, for those interactions, for them to be party into that area, for those interactions to happen, and for them to, for whatever military service they're in, for their aperture to be opened by that more senior officer and you are the gatekeeper there and you are the one holding the keys to be able to start to unlock those doors for them so they begin to see their military service from a different perspective and that's on you as a leader to pull them along and the other thing is conversations the first thing I did when I got to the last unit where I was a PAO with an NCO that needed to come up is we were in separate offices. I got rid of their office and I moved into their office with them. 
And they were like, what are you doing? And I said, we can't be in separate offices. We got to be right here together. And they were like, this is gross. I don't like it. And I said, give it a couple of weeks. You're going to love this. We yeah. had we had we had partner desks. Wow. And I said, we're going to be right in here and this will be fine because there is no NCO business. There is no officer business. There is leadership business. And we're going to have conversations and we're going to solve this thing together because it's you and I are leading this team together. And after a while, they were like, oh, my gosh, this is how it needs to be. Because it's not like we were a command team. We were the PAO team. And that's how we led this thing. And then when I left and got pulled up to another place, guess who became the PAO? That NCO. And nobody worried about getting an officer. Nobody was like, oh, we need to get an officer backfill because Sarn Farina was just ready to take the ball. And nobody was concerned. They were like, oh, yeah, Farina's got it. Shout out. Shout out. Whoop, yeah, whoop. Legit. Dropping some names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I think it's, you know, something we really emphasize on the students is understanding why, right? And getting that why and getting that why translated to their members so that they can fully act on behalf of the, the command and understand, you know, the logic behind whatever it is uh, they're being asked to do. So I think that's really important. I, I think that's a great example of bringing in your NCO leadership into that thought process and having them get that full buy-in and understanding why. Couldn't agree more. I've heard that NCOs run the show, and I think that that's very true in my in my Navy experience. And I've also seen it here on the DINFO staff. And just explaining to them that they are really the link and almost the translator that I'm going to be relying on to take the, you know, strategic objectives, the commander's mission, and how do you translate that into what your junior sailors or junior service members can do in your PA shop, um, whether it's amazing infographics or an awesome video that's going to do really well on Instagram or whatever. Um, they they know the they're brilliant at the basics. They know what the PA shop is capable of doing from a technical standpoint, and so I will rely on them to take what we are trying to accomplish and break it down into tactics, much like my fellow instructors have said, to try to bring them up to the more strategic level, bringing them to meetings, explaining public affairs guidance, maybe having them help write some of those documents so that uh, you really are a seamless team. But I, I have had great experiences with all of the NCOs I've worked with. Yeah, that's a great point about the meetings because that's a big thing that, you know, we as public affairs officers can do is to have them go to those same meetings that we are. One, because we're only one person usually, usually if only have one officer, I'm usually the only officer public affairs related on a base most times. Sometimes I'll be lucky and there'll be another PAO and because uh, we'll have a, a sister unit like a reserve unit or, you know, maybe there'll be another uh, military base down the street that I can kind of lean on and get mentorship from or, you know, guidance. But yeah, for the most part, you're the only public affairs officer on a base. So limited in terms of where you can be at all times. So, yeah, take that NCO. Here, you go to the, the meeting with the boss. You go to this meeting with uh, group commanders or whatnot as well. So, you know, they can get that experience. I think you've touched on a, a really important point there, too, with not only developing the NCO core and this mentorship as a whole, but I've noticed that something that all of you have focused on is forward thinking. And with that, I, I ask you all a question of if you're always forward thinking, what problems do you see in the future that the 
public affair officer corps will have issues with. The speed of information and the fact that every single person has a platform because of the internet provides kind of an unrealistic challenge for us. However, um, we're, we're there, we're in it, and we're definitely a part of the conversation. But I've felt overwhelmed at times from a social media perspective, being out to sea, for example, with not great internet and having to respond to certain things that were trending in the social media environment. So I think the rapid speed of that and also the challenge of AI, but mm. I'll let my my mm. fellow instructors comment on that because mm. I know they're more savvy in that department than I. I think that's something that we are always going to struggle with is going to be showing our worth to the rest of the staff who may not be as familiar with our purpose or for why we exist. And until we are consistently proving that what we do has actual effects via quantitative and qualitative feedback, there are still going to be those staff members. And, and they might be friends with us, but they, they might have their own personal thoughts that look to themselves and say, I don't really need the public affairs officer's help. I don't need the Comstrat officer's help. And I think that we are going to struggle with some of the thing, same things that we currently struggle with unless we consistently push showing our effects in all of our unit's mission sets, not only our external audiences, but also to our own people. I'm glad you mentioned uh, AI because, yeah, we're really at the forefront of what that will mean for us as communicators because I think the access to information, the access to speed and the Internet and, you know, the ability to talk to a wide group and audience immediately, you know, has been something we've been always challenged with, you know, uh, recently as because it's it's been out there. But I think AI is really going to supercharge that because you take what AI can do with regard to assisting people with writing copy with things like ChatGPT, which can write, you know, pretty much whatever you tell it to do. And then, of course, how does that fit in with the overall misinformation that we're already dealing with because those AI tools are powered by the internet and sometimes they generate misinformation, right? So I think that's going to be a big challenge for public affairs communicators as well because you're going to have, again, these folks who, you know, if they have negative connotations, negative things they want to do in the information space, AI could be that tool that helps them create it, generate it, and push it out that much easier. Extremism. Extremism is going to be something that uh, we absolutely are facing in the future. Uh, and we as public affairs have a role in uh, identifying that for our commands because we own social media. That's what the DODI tells us. That's uh, what our doctrine tells us. And if we own social media, if we own those platforms, we don't own the solution. We don't own it all the way down. but we own scanning, we own the uh, understanding of the environment, we own explaining that to our commanders. So we have a role to play in helping our commanders understand this threat. We have a role to play in explaining that. So as this is pulling our services apart and attriting us in real time happening right now to our service members, we need to be talking to our commanders about this. We need to be talking about how this is happening to us. And if you have more than 100 service members in your organization, this is happening to you right now, which means that it's happening here in Dinfos, which means it is happening 
to any organization very likely that is listening to this podcast across our services, uh, especially if you are an MP organization, uh, especially if you're uh, in organizations in certain parts of the country. Uh, in the in the reserves uh, or in other organizations, you can look this stuff up, uh, and we can help make those uh, available. Where this is, you know, uh, Rand Corporations has done studies on this to show, you know, where this is happening. That is very very real in the information disorder uh, domain. That is a major piece that is out there, and it's not coming for us. It has arrived. It is there, and it is being fueled by the fact that uh, Russia has gone in and has been operating uh, truth decay against us for the past uh, eight years now to pull apart our understanding of uh, trust in the media, uh, trust in the government. And that operation has been substantial and it has been working and we can do what we can in the informed space to uh, help pull that back together but uh, we live in a fractured information environment uh, and that is operating on our own service members. And it's a scary thing that our commanders need to understand how at risk our own service members are. Well said. I think, I think the only way we get ready for these problems are for people here to educate. I think that's one of the strongest values that as a public affairs or comstrat as a whole is education because that's what we do. We communicate, we educate, we train, and we are ready. And I think that's the only way moving forward how we can prepare for the problems that we're going to have. Absolutely. And on that note, I finish every episode with one question because I truly, truly, truly believe that the best people in our career fields are here in this building. And if you're not here yet, you will be if you are the best in the career field. And because the amount of information that's here, the, how we spread the information, how we spread education. And I ask everyone for the last part of every episode this one question, and I'll ask it all to you. What does the Denfos way mean to you? For the students in PAX-Q, we're in a an exercise and we're on deployment, I'm using air quotes, deployment and air quotes, right? Air quotes are and, being shown. Um, I am a mentor for about 25 students and they are using what they learned in public affairs in a deployed environment. And there is crisis and there is a lack of communication and there's friction amongst the staff, which would never happen in the real world, of course. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I told them, uh, don't be afraid to fail in the schoolhouse. And if you do fail, learn from it. So they've been thinking outside the box on certain things. And it's been interesting to see how it plays out in the scenario. And then the instructors have been able to give them feedback. You can see whether this worked, whether this didn't work. What are some alternate courses of action that you could have taken? But I, I think it's it's really a great opportunity to come here and learn everything and, and try it out here, and then you'll be better for it when you join the fleet in the field. To me, the Dinfos way is it's making those around you better than they were, whether that's educating the students or that's taking care of your fellow instructors. It's looking around you and saying, how can I help the team today? 
I think the Dinfos way is all about setting the example. You know, we pride ourselves in trying to not only reflect the career field and what's going on, but we try to give that baseline to students so that, you know, when they get out there, maybe maybe they'll do things a little differently than they learn in the schoolhouse, but they'll at least have a baseline to work from. The Dinfos way for me is sharing everything, right? It's It's sharing your products it's sharing your knowledge it's sharing your toolbox it's it's not holding anything back like you ever see those people and like they make a they make a powerpoint and you ask for it and then they send you the pdf version information brokers that's not the denfos way <laughs> like like those people yeah. information is power but we actually share it here we share it here mm-hmm. right right because because as you share it it multiplies because then they add their schneeze to it and then other people add their schneeze to it and then like it comes back to you and it's better than it was before, right? I loved when I send a product out and then like six months later I see it come back from the field mm-hmm. and it's like they changed it and it's like like version like 6.0 now and it's like mm-hmm. like all different and I'm like, oh, that's rad. Like, oh, that's great. And then I can give it to the next group of students and I'm like, this is from the field now. It's not even mine anymore. <laughs> And then cool. they're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah. oh, look at this thing. And then it goes back out and then it comes back different again. And it's like, oh, look, look, like it's it's viral, right? It's it's growing and it's evolving. And it's like not even like what it started as anymore. That's the Dinfos way is for knowledge to grow and to evolve and to shape. That's what we're doing here. Can I agree more? Nice. Solid ending. So generally in these episodes, I speak a lot more. But with today, I... I wanted to be a sponge of all this information, and I can't thank you all enough for being here today and sharing your perspectives and your thoughts and everything. As an NCO, this is probably one of the most informative sit-downs I've ever had in my time as public affairs. I can't express enough how thankful I am, and I think this information that you all volunteered to give today is beyond beneficial for any officer, enlisted, anybody in the realm of public affairs or Comstrat, it's just powerful. That's the only way I can describe it. This conversation today was powerful because I think another way that we only improve is through mentorship and education, and that today is what we did. I was more than happy to be quiet today and listen. Yeah, that's, that's all I can end this episode on is just thank you all. Like, it means a lot. Thank you.